Welcome to Darker Days Radio presents Dark Hammer, our Worlds of Warhammer podcast. I am one of your regular hosts, Chris, and I'm joined by David. How's it going? It's all right. How are you? Uh, good. We're preparing for Dragon Meet. I'm on a week. I've got a week on hol- off on uh, holiday to do any last minute uh, prep, and I'm going to paint some stuff. I think I'm going to paint Blackstone Fortress on my holiday. I'm finally going to get some more of it done. No. How about you? I'm. I wish I had a week off to prepare for Dragon Meat. There's a lot I need to do for it still. Um, but yeah, no, getting there. Um, just bought myself a load of uh, contrast paints to have a play with. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. So I can start hammering out some more painting stuff soon. Yes, yes, I have a lot of other painting things which I can't talk about just yet on a super secret project. Uh, right, um, with that out the way, quick introduction done. Any gaming-wise? I've got some gaming coming up on Tuesday. I am playing some Necromunda with the new terrain, because of course I got Dark Uprising and it is sexy. That new terrain looks absolutely stunning. It's fantastic because it all works together with the the um, Sector Mechanicus terrain, which is six inch high. So yeah. this all, all slots together properly. Uh, it's amazing. Um, the great thing is, and this goes back to what we said in episode zero. Note, we will no longer say episode numbers in the in these things because episodes are coming out here, there and everywhere with Dark Days Radio. So the Dark Uprising terrain, um, what we said about play the way you want. So set to, um, what was it, not? Zone Mortalis games take place generally on a two foot by two foot area or slightly larger. So the really bulky way of the terrain works really well to create narrow fields of fire. Nice. So it's really good. It's so modular, this terrain. It's insane. For 170 quid. It really encloses everything. So you get that kind of really dark under high factory feel. Yeah. A lot of. Terminator, Terminator 2, yes. the end of that, that kind of factory scene. You can also lay out the train so it's purely 2D, or you can then start going upwards, so you can play mm. in multiple ways with this train. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, what else is on the horizon? We've got, uh, you've got some new stuff. You've got um, the new Undead. Yeah, Ossiarchs. They're, they're, they're really cool. The, um, the way they've brought them into the, the world of Age of Sigma. Yeah, because they're undead, made from made from the bones of the dead, but they're not like you know animated skeletons. They're actually no. properly kind of forged from bone. Yeah, so um, I've managed to actually read through the books. So I've actually done some reading for once. This is a novelty. Um, so yeah, no, the Ossiarchs, they go out. They they have a tithe of bones where they walk up to a city and go, "Give us this much in bones." of your dead or we kill you and take them anyway and then from those bones they grind them down into a dust and then they reforge them into a living walking well not living but a walking anima object which is then filled with souls but only specific parts of the souls so they they have enough autonomy to be able to behave and do things in the correct way but they don't have any kind of individuality behind them in a way. Yeah. So they take like the the martial prowess from one person, the tactical knowledge from another person, and then they kind of mash it together into one thing and put it inside the the bone construct. And That's they form the army out of this. That's very stormcast. It's very stormcast, but very different 
from Stormcast yeah. in the way that they're not allowed to have a personality and they're kind of more automata with a small amount of freedom. The other thing that struck me with the design language of them is there's very much kind of a look of I now some people would have said samurai, but I actually think they look more um more Mongolian Chinese warring yeah. states era. Very much um, so to me as well. They are and they have an e an Asian aesthetic to yes. me. It's not anywhere specific. I think the, the samurai thing comes from Kakatross's little helpers on his base, some of those vaguely yes. samurai-esque. But in the actual uh, kind of stories behind them, you don't get that feeling at all, other than the fact that they're utterly marshaled and insanely good at tactics and things. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool, cool, cool. Also, yeah, go on. Um, sorry? Go on, carry on. What You were going to say something interesting about them. Yeah, no, there's two other really cool things about them. Well, one, it, uh, well... So what they've kind of done is, as you say, they've taken the Stormcast idea and turned it undead in a way. They've also kind of taken the Necron thing of these ancient civilizations rising up. So the Necroquake has happened and it's opened up these uh, tombs under cities where the Ossiarchs have been and they're now rising up again. Ah. There's also one thing that people haven't really talked about is they're also slightly Elder-esque. Um, Eldari, yes. so they have... Um, the souls are kept in stones on their bodies, and the only way to actually destroy an Ossiarch is to destroy the stone that holds oh, the souls. That's... So you've kind of got that idea of the Eldari um, soul stones in there yes. as well. Oh, so they're, so they're kind really of like wraith cool bone constructs. Ah, yeah. Cool. That's actually really... That's a very good point. Okay, cool. No, um, it's really cool, so. Excellent. Looking forward to doing that. Doing Taylor Four Gamers in January, and that's when I'm right. them and making them and stuff. I, so. I really want them to come out with rules for them in Warcry. I'm sure we will. Oh, see good, yes. Enough. Uh, the other thing is, I noticed for um for value for money, the box of the basic troopers, you get like twenty for like twenty percent or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot better value than a lot of the other ones. So I think we might see some Games Workshop repackaging of certain boxes to give you a bit better bang for your buck. Because I mean, ten. Buying a, buying a basic trooper unit of just 10 models, sometimes it's all right if it's Stormcast. For like, you know, for the <clears> price they were paying, you pay for um, basic skeletons. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, I think you should give me 20 for a bit look, just a tiny give bit it, more. Give you a bit more, yeah. Anyway, uh, Partworks are on the way in January, which is the Mortal Realms Partworks. I'm subscribed to it because there's some freebies in it, and it's just more yep. cheap undead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing for it as well. Get cheap undead, cheap ones. stormcast. Um, so that'll be good. That's a good way of getting into it, especially for kids, really. We've seen it before in the past with Partworks for um, 40k, and yep. way in the past for, uh, for Lord of the Rings. Uh, right, the other thing is uh, we've seen Warhammer Fantasy The Old World announced. Mm, we know nothing. Square Bases uh, are coming back. Uh, so that's going to be Specialist Games, Forge World. Uh, I can imagine that they're... I mean, there's a lot of the miniatures on the range currently would work for... Still works perfectly fine for fantasy, classic fantasy. Like, you know, we do have Dark Elves. We do have Witch Elves. We do have Chaos, especially with Slaves of Darkness coming out. Uh, we do have Empire. So all of this is going to work perfectly fine. I think it will be filling the gaps of where you need certain units or characters that are particular yeah. to the old world. The way they've kind of, what what they've, from what I've seen and what they've said, 
the one you really kind of released the idea that Warhammer Fantasy, the old world, updated for Legends for Age of Sigmar. So it could well be just the old world setting with Age of Sigmar rules. We don't know. We all we know is that they're doing this. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things we don't know, and there's probably a lot of things they don't know either at the moment. So. Yeah, I mean it's way off. This is this is like they said it's like you know we're not going to see three four years here. Um, related to Warhammer, of course, we've got the pre-order for Enemy Within campaign for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Um, it's the class. It's the classic uh, scenarios, classic adventures. There's some what they call grognard book uh, boxes, which is hilarious. So it's basically if you've played the campaign before. Your GM has got guidance then on how to kind of do some remixes to make it seem fresh for 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 people that've played it before, which is great. That's really really good. And mm. obviously, things have been updated by people like Graham Davis and uh, and um, and various people that have worked on it in the past. I think that's everything Warhammer news, isn't it? Uh, I'm trying to think of everything mm. else. Sisters of Battle out completely outsold Ooh. everywhere. You know, plastic Sisters of Battle, amazing. Uh, we're not going to say much more about that. Latest White Dwarf is pretty good. It's got rules for the Inquisition. Uh, yeah, and it's got some... about what we're actually going to talk about in the actual main show that I might bring up if I remember. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, with that, we will head on to our main topic for <clears throat> this, uh, this episode, which is all about traveling between and around and within the strange worlds of Warhammer. So we're going to start with Warhammer Fantasy because it is our it's a, it's a setting that is most easy to understand in some respects uh, in terms of traveling uh, because it is much like our own hist- the history of our own world. It is the one that is most similar to other fantasy settings that people may have engaged it with through role play games. So our typical ways of traveling are going to be horse and cart and by foot because of course the world is that kind of mundane. Uh, it's, it's medieval Europe, uh, kind of 15th century Europe-esque look. So you're kind of thinking about those horse and carts, very, very common. But I think the important thing is to say that because these things are quite mundane, for the characters of, of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, they're important, they are important things. Like a horse is mm. not cheap. A carriage is not cheap. Uh, if your horse goes lame or you need to replace a shoe on it. Again, these things cost money and your characters are not flush with cash all the time. So the the importance of being able to travel and travel well is critical to if you're playing a campaign or something where yeah. time is of the essence or where it could be disastrous being caught out in the wilderness and exposed to the to the elements. That's certainly within when, when I when I, we were talking thinking about doing this episode, I was thinking about traveling the fan, Warhammer fantasy. Like, yeah, horse and cart—that's fine. But then you've got to go through Reekwald Forest. Uh, you've got to travel through. If you're down near the Moot, do you get raided by skeletons? Or if you're further to the east, there's um, orc tribes and goblin tribes. If you're in the mountains, what happens in the mountains? It's kind of it's not just as simple as going. I've got a horse and cart. I can go from one place to another. This world is dangerous. Oh yes, certainly. I mean, the Reichwald, like the Empire, is what maybe 
70% covered in forest? Something like that. It's something insane. So the the dangers of you're traveling down, either you're traveling down well, well worn routes, particular roads, which means, Mm. of course, there's also a cost associated with that. There'll be taxes and tolls to pay at bridges and, and along certain roads, because, of course, these taxes are paying for wardens which is another danger. If you're criminals in the Warhammer world, there's a high likelihood that your group are playing criminals. They will have to contend with road wardens. If you're not, road wardens are your best friends, especially if you start with brigands and bandits are attacking you. So there's that thing to consider. Um, But the forest, as we said, are filled with many dangers that could come roaming out, like beasts, Mm. uh, goblins, or, or even even very angry wood elves. Uh, <laughs> so the basic creatures in there, there'll be giant spiders, wolves, bears, bears. So it's not just the, the usual denizens you hear of. It's, it's the creatures themselves as well. will quite happily have a go at you. Yeah. So, so, so the day that, so that means there's a danger of even going off the main route. So if yeah. you really want to, be able to discover things, lost lost towns, lost cities, ancient ruins in the depth, uh, depths of the Reichwald or any other forest. You know, you're going off the beaten path and there are going to be many dangers associated with doing that. Of course, you could choose not to go by road. You could go by river because uh, the, the Reich and many of the rivers of the Empire are... Uh, 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 a vast network of riverways that can be exploited. So again, you've got riverboats which are either going to be pulled by horse or they're going to be um, traditional riverboats with maybe sailing. Sail- sailing. Yeah. The Reich at some points becomes v- very vast, uh, equivalent to, like I guess, like the Danube uh, in yeah. our own world. Uh, it becomes so vast that that you're, you, you actually have proper s- ocean-going vessels are able to come up the river and make dock so um you know the, again the riverways are an important uh way of traveling but again there's dangers on the riverways aren't there yeah certainly um especially if you're kind of towards the coastal areas you'll get um raiders coming in through the the channel ways you'll have um, river pirates quite quite regularly going through you'll have again beasts throughout the, the rivers crocodiles and things will attack Oh um, yes, so yeah, you can have uh, trade wars would happen. So if you if you're on a trading ship, those ships can be quite readily attacked by again angry elves. Uh, um, orcs and goblins will quite happily raid them. Um, anything that needs feeding, definitely. And I think the interesting thing about river travel and boat travel and you know traveling by sea. I mean, traveling by sea gets gets us into having to just talk about other areas of the world. But a lot of an entire story could occur within the confines of an in, of a boat itself and a journey from one position to another. Because it depends what who else is traveling with you. Uh, yeah. It it could be completely foreseeable that on a boat in the hold, you know, is the is the coffin of some vampire looking to travel elsewhere in the world. Uh, it could be that on board is some, oh, let's just say, some chaos type, uh, you know, wi- you know, some evil dark wizard. Yeah. There's there's a lot that could be going on 
uh, on a boat or a ship. Yeah, you could have a ba- your basic kind of murder in the Orient Express kind of storyline oh, on a boat. Um, yes, definitely. Or you could be on the boat with one of your. Uh, you've turned up on a on a boat, and one of your rivals is on there, and you have to survive. That's a very good idea. Um, so, you but maybe been hired to do the same things, and you're trying to not to destroy the boat while you both try and obviously get to where you're going. So, yes, and I think the important thing is that a lot of these forms of travel will be um, fairly much similar. Uh, in nature, depending no matter what period of time within the empire you pick to set your stories, yeah. uh, you know, horse travel is horse travel. Um, you know, it's there might be a few different nuances depending on what, which period of time with where the empire is more unified or not. Uh, because remember, the, the empire is not just one country, it's more of a uh, it's an empire of rival city states. Uh, mm. And that makes things difficult and complicated with regards to taxes and law enforcement. Uh, Even the, when it's kind of unified, they still they still do regularly fight each other. So it's yes. not it's still even not safe that way. So I would say nine. I would say about eighty percent of the time, any battles going on uh, in the empire are actually more than likely between the empire and either its neighbours, as mm. in internally. Maybe it's neighbours externally and against enemies within like, you know, small... And we're talking small skirmishes with orcs and... and yeah, house raiders and beastmen. Nothing, you know, nothing massively huge like an invasion of chaos. That doesn't happen every other year. Uh, otherwise, the Empire would be pretty much dead. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, I think, to consider, because dwarves are a major part of the setting, like you can yeah. play dwarves in any strata of society, is that dwarves, of course, will have their own means of travelling throughout the world and have their own well-developed network of tunnels and mines. And again, so these are going to be roadways. I say roadways, but they are, in a sense, a road underground. Yeah, where... massive, like um, playing Warhammer Total War. You do travel some if you play the dual faction, they do have vast open tunnelways that it's like having, I don't know, the M25 underground. They're that big. So they're not just small little roadways. You'll have your little side tunnels and things between them. But if you're going from major, major stronghold to major stronghold, they are massive tunnels. They're not yeah. small. So. And that'll bring its own dangers as well, because yeah. I mean, the the tunnels that that the dwarves have constructed are not perfect in places, because of course mountains shift and move uh, with you know things like earthquakes and so forth. And then there'll be the dangers of other creatures making their home in less well travelled tunnels. So that gets us onto goblins, of course, creatures. Spiders and Skaven, Skaven in particular, because Skaven have another well-developed uh, network of tunnels. Yeah. So I think that covers like methods. Like, there's not really anything extravagant. There's some air travel, of course. You've got uh, there's a few dwarven airships out there. Um, sea travel. Um, there's not really. There's obviously you've got going out to Ulthuan and um, the Dark Elf. 
place that I've forgotten the name of. Nagaroth. Nagaroth. Um, sea travel brings in a whole different different world of yes. um, things. You have the the floating cities from the Dark Elves. You'll have um, raid North Norse raiders and things. So it's we could go just do an entire episode on this, but obviously we've got more we need to talk about. Yeah, I think the point is that there isn't really going to be much, too much extravagant travel-wise for no. people in, in, that you play in Warhammer because they're not going to ride around every day in like an airship or a balloon, anything like that, or even on like you know eagle giant eagles or dragons. Like that mm. is uh, a scale of Warhammer which, if you if you reach that, your character is really not well suited for fantasy roleplay because that's more like you know. Warhammer like battles kind of scale. Yeah. You're getting up to the point where you might be leading one of the city states and trying to forge an, uh, a new empire and stuff. You feel that kind of level. Yeah. Uh, in, in discussing these methods, we've talked a little bit about the dangers. So we've covered a lot about that. And we've said about, you know, the, the environment is an antagonist in this setting. So depending on when you set it, it could be torrential rain, which leads to landslides or flooding. That makes river travel quite, well, getting across a river even more hazardous than ever. Uh, or it could be things like snow. snow yep. uh, uh, lightning is a danger. Uh, you don't want to get Forest fires is another one. I imagine that could quite happily. Well, uh, if you've got, yeah, if you've got lightning and forest, yeah. you'll get forest fires. So, um, I'm trying to think of other good uh, hazards. We said rocks, rock fall, rock slides, and uh, you know, I guess you know, there's a lot. There's a lot you could do. I mean, even or or, or even starvation or thirst due to heat, so dehydration because yeah. in the height of summer, so. There's a lot of things you can think about because I think Warhammer is quite good with the amount of skill sets that characters have that you could do a lot about a story where you really are focusing on how well do they try and survive this journey. And that is the prime that's the primary part of of the the story. And any other antagonists are then the the true highlight of the story. Like, you know, how because depending upon how well they've survived the elements leads into how well they're going to survive this uh, yeah. melee combat against this other antagonist. Uh, but the important thing is, why do people travel? There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got... So the primary reason for most travel between... Especially if you win the Empire, is your trade between the cities, the thing that which kind of keeps the lifeblood of the Empire flowing. So you've got your, your tradesmen and your merchants moving between cities. And maybe you, as if you're looking at the roleplay aspect, you've been hired to protect a trade caravan or you're actually being hired to, to, to get a new contract from a new city or a new town. Um, so, yeah, why do people travel? Trade, obviously. Um, Definitely. Um, and then the other one is... Because obviously a lot of the characters in Warhammer Fantasy are tradesmen of sorts. Yeah. But then, right. of course, the other reason why groups of characters are brought together is because they're given a particular kind of mission, some, sure. some something to do. So adventuring in general, because you decide, I don't want to be a blacksmith all my life, and I think there's more money to be made on the road doing jobs no one else wants to do. So, you know, traveling from town to town, taking on 
dangerous employment is an obvious uh, trade. And that includes investigating because the people you may be looking for and tracking, you might have to go, you might have to travel quite a distance to to find the next clue, the next uh, piece in the puzzle. One thing with this as well is if you just think about distance. So just, oh yeah, when we say vast distances, we're probably if you're thinking in the kind of Warhammer fantasy system, vast distances are like 30, 40, 50 miles for a normal person. That will take yes. them a, a good couple of days to travel. So it's not just how we would now in modern day think of vast distances of going to different countries. It's probably what we would consider going to the next town or two towns across. That's where yeah. you kind of have to, you have to shrink your world a little bit. Yes. With this. Um, so the empire is, it is big for the old world, but it's not big in our kind of terms. So 30, 40, 50 miles, even by horse. So vast distances are, you can also have vast distances. So if you go from um, Altdorf down to Nuln, that is a good couple of weeks worth of travel. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are talking, the empire is effectively, you know, Germany and Poland mm. uh, and Austria and Switzerland all mixed together as one big, you know, Holy Roman Empire, essentially. Uh, it's that kind of equivalent. Um, yeah, you know, travel, you know, that distance is a really big, a really important thing to think about. Uh, the other reason, possibly, is that you are criminals and you are fleeing the uh, the law. You know, you are, you have committed your crime. You've you've uh, stolen gold or relics from a town, and you've you've done what you wanted, and you're going to have to leave to go to wherever you're going to sell it. Wherever you're going to fence it, and then of course you're mostly going to want to leave that place to go to really make it difficult to be tracked. So traveling, if you're a criminal, is also important. Yep. Yeah, and you can use that on your. You 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 go into one town, you steal something from one town. Maybe you then join a band of robbers to get from town to town, and you just kind of constantly on the move. If if you're fleeing from the law, you're going to be constantly on the move and looking for various ways to travel. Yeah. Not just each time walking, you'd be looking for some quick escapes, um, the long road, maybe the back roads, which aren't so safe. Exactly, yeah. And that leads us then to other important reasons. So Warhammer, of course, war is a factor. So another reason that you would travel is maybe you are traveling because you are part of a, uh, let's just say you're you're part of the military. Uh, you're mostly a a small group of, of soldiers or fighters who deal with particular tasks that they can't give to their regular uh, mm. rank and file soldiers. So you'll be brought to the front lines, or you're going to be sent from the front lines back to wherever headquarters is positioned, taking messages with you. Again, that means dangers are now not just the everything that's normally dangerous on the road in time to, in times of peace but you now have enemies that have worked their way behind enemy lines who are trying to stop you who are trying to steal that information spies and, and assassins uh and then of course the other other reason is there's refugees so you know you're going to have people fleeing the front lines uh and they're going to be moving en masse to villages and that creates stories in its own right as villages and towns are 
overburdened by this influx of people. Or the opposite, they're all completely abandoned as well. So you, you're you travelling yes. from the front backwards and you're just going through all these abandoned wrecked towns. So you think you found somewhere safe to stay, but it's not because the town is a virtually dead town. There's no food, there's nowhere warm place to stay, there's no fires in the local inns or anything. So that brings in an extra kind of, I don't know, urgency to... And yes. Duration to things. And then finally, the other good reason to, tra- uh, to travel is family matters. Because let's be honest, characters have families and friends. There is no such thing as the solo who is like, it's just me and they've got nothing in the world that bothers me. It's like, no, characters have families, okay? So think about it. So, yeah. you know, their their brother, their sister, they might be getting married. They might, or your character mostly could have an arranged marriage that they have to uh, travel to. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's deaths and celebrations. These are all really, I think, in terms of Warhammer, really kind of ways to have some light-hearted kind of stories. Bring 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 life back into it, rather than the obviously it's a role play. You're kind of going off to do adventure and seek out new things. Every now and then, it's nice to kind of just remind yourself that you're actually playing playing a human character in a way, well, human emotional character, um, and that they do have feelings and they do have connections to other things. And it's not just about going around and hitting the closest orc in the face. So bringing these things in does, it makes it for a nice lighthearted session, if, especially if you kind of go over for someone's birthday party and there's a bit of frivolity going on. And I think the main point is that, as as you said, these are all details which which flesh out the setting to make it feel more grounded and relatable, rather than, as you say, you're off going hunting a monster. You're off going to steal loot from uh, an old ruined tower somewhere where there's undead. You know, talking about the journey is just as important as the destination. And and adds elements which you allow you to tune the difficulty of the final encounter because even if you don't have many options you the point is that a journey a journey can be linear for you as the gm but to your players you can present the illusion of choice so that they yeah. are making choices they are choosing side you know kind of Wiggly, a wiggly route, but the route still leads to the same place. And what you can do, though, is also if you need them to encounter something particular, and they're not travelling to it directly, or not or you're travelling to it always, bring mm. it to them, readjust, retune the the story, so you still get the same endpoint that you wanted. The difference is, what is the quality of the endpoint they're going to get? In other words, how well do they get there? Do they get there with all their rations and supplies and unharmed? Or do they get there a lot worse for wear? And that really means that players have a sense that their choices have impacted how they get to where they're going. Yeah, it's it's one of the key things. When I, when I run games is, I know what the story is, but it's not prescriptive so if i say you're a bunch of adventurers you need to go to this town and solve this murder but on the way they kind of end up somewhere else it's like well then it just i just shift the story to them to them i don't put them on the story i let the story them 
yeah if you, if you need to be very free with your ideas and not stuck in the idea that i need to go they have to get to this place to do this specific thing in this specific town at this specific time it's like no be a lot more free with it to go well i want them to do this thing so whenever wherever they are at the time when it needs to happen that's where it happens not in a specific place unless it's really 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 insanely key to the story yeah then the other thing they want to go to a different town let them go to a different town and just make let it happen in that other town the other thing you can do is you can create what i call um a campaign calendar so mm. that if you've got you've got your what your players are doing and you, but you also lay out a calendar of how what your antagonists are going to be doing assuming yeah. the players never ever interact with their plans so you've got say two you say you've got like three groups three groups of antagonists who whose plots interweave and you could plan out what they do getting to the end point where you know antagonist a steals something from antagonist b which influences what antagonist c is doing and a etc 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 you see yeah. the ripple of of interactions towards the very end point and what that end conclusion is which is say the ritual happens and a demon is summoned blah 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 now that's you should plan that out assuming a null hypothesis uh, null hypothesis so that means the player's do not interact with anything. They bugger off somewhere else and have adventures elsewhere. What this means then is you've got a plan of action that gives you a good sense of when the players do interact with it, you can see which bits they do interact with, which bits they yeah. don't interact with. The bits they do interact with, you can see how it ripples down and adjusts the calendar. Yeah. The bits they don't interact with, you can then broadcast to the players through the story the the these events because then it gives them a sense of well because we didn't act on information x we've just seen the result of not of what that um inactivity that uh lack of agency has done as in we could have stopped this guy we chose not to yeah. and now he's murdered this person that's awful we knew we could have we could have potentially stopped that and that that in terms of travel where you've got the the um the cost of the price of travel the price of time of travel or or, or money means you you have a very organic setting so it's not fully sandbox but it's very close yeah and this could be applied to warhammer age of sigmar or 40k quite happily yeah the things if 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 you are along those ideas so it's like you get given something and you have to do it in a certain length of time and then yes you manage to buy it you manage to rent or buy a horse and cart that you need to get there and then the cart breaks down you lose a wheel on the cart you can't fix it that's going to take you a lot longer to get there so therefore you might not get there for the time to do the thing that you're meant to do so you have to kind of think about um well it still happens in the story so maybe you've got to get the guy you're trying to track down or stop the ritual in the town happens on a certain date. You don't get there. That ritual still happens. Don't, don't, as a GM, don't force the ritual to be delayed. You can let it still happen. And then you can, they have to kind of maybe pick up the consequences of the fact that travel is hard. Yeah. That they've missed their window to do something. Cool. Okay, so that's some that's some general pointers that's valid for everything we're talking about. I think we can move on to Age of Sigmar then. So, Age of Sigmar's like a lot of the things we've spoken about are relevant, totally relevant. 
But Age of Sigmar is like on a completely different scale as well. So travel is now not just between countries or between towns. We have travel between realms. realms. So how do we do this? Yeah, this 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 was when Age of Sigmar came out. This was uh, got, but now it's really cemented, and there's some really cool ideas about how travel between realms actually happens. Um, and it's mainly through these things called realm gates. So throughout the there's eight realms, um, and there are gates throughout the realms that lead between different realms. So one gate will go from Shaiish to Azir. And then another one will go from, I've got a list of realms here, let me give one, uh, maybe from Ulgu to Shimon, so from the Shadows to the Realm of Metal. Yeah. So a gate doesn't go to every realm, it goes from one specific realm to another realm. So say you want to do some uh, trade between three different realms, you're going to need to find a place where there are realm gates close to each other that relate to these. Um, but there's uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the main way. Um, but there's also other ways to travel between the realms. But what we'll go first, we'll go for the old points um, because of Warcry and how much we love Warcry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, in Warcry, you've got the Varen Spire and all points. Um, this is a kind of, it's a realm outside of the main eight, eight realms. There's a central point where they have massive, massive realm gates called Arcways. And each arcway was the main realm gate, in a way, to that realm. So if you went through the arc gate, you could come to the all points and then just do a quick hop over to another one and go into another realm. And there'd be eight, there were eight of these arcways, and you could quite easily travel in between the realms that way. However, the all points are now owned by our big bad friend Archeon. Um, and he has his Varen Spire there. So these places, you can't use these arcways anymore. Um, and as we were discussing earlier, just before we started this, um, Warhammer community said something really cool about the Jaishan, um arcway, the end gate, slowly morphing. Yes. Um, um, and we can come into kind of maybe talking a bit more about what's happening with Shaish and navigation there in a yeah. bit. I was going to say there's some other interesting things with realm gates, like there's the city of Heldenhammer. Yep. And that's a city that, that actually exists in two realms because yes. half of it is in one realm, half is in another because the, those two halves are connected by a realm gate. So yes. that's pretty cool. So, so, yes, some realm... and uh, Hish. Yeah. So the whole point is that it's quite obvious that. Obviously, realm gates are important as travel locations. They're also important because at realm gates, there are mostly cities or outposts or fortifications, yeah, uh, which are story locations in their own right. Yeah, a lot of the, especially a lot of the ones which are owned uh, by the free peoples, so cities of Sigmar as an overarching term, or kind of the elves and some of the elven people, the the dispossessed and the dwarf Dwardin, um, they they build massive fortifications around them. They protect their realm gates because um, they are the main force of travel. They don't want their enemies to get hold of them because you could get in one realm gate, go through another one, and pop up behind you. So mm. they do become these massive fortress kind of. Some of them become massive fortresses. Um, I think. No, I don't think the Grey Water Fastness is actually on a realm gate, but that kind of idea of massive protected areas 
um, for trade and just for survival. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking with Realm Gates is you've also got some you get some strange locations that exist between realms. So we've had we've talked about the all points, which is known also as the eight points, because yep. chaos is the eight pointed star. Um, but also our, our favorite our favorite city in the world, Shadespire, exists between realms. City. So that means you could come into it from from uh, from the realm of light, but exit it into the realm of shadow. Is that yep. not right? Yeah, so it exists between the realm of light and the realm of shadow. Um, but it's a it's called the mirrored city as well because it was a a city in the realm of light uh, that then kind of just got removed from the realm and disappeared. And it's a complete mirror of that original city, um, Shadespire. Um but now exists between these two realms somehow. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. Okay, uh, so moving on, uh, but there are other ways to get between realms than yeah. realm gates. There are other means and ways. Uh, our classic arch bastards, the Skaven. Um, yes, little, little they, bastards. They burrow through yes. from realm to realm from some central area. So I like to think they've kind of almost got like a webway in the in in the the in the realms of chaos because obviously oh, they're. There's no real kind of description of what it is they burrow through in, in any of the, the lore around at the moment. I, off the top of my head, can think of. But you do, it does seem like they're building their own kind of webway each time yeah. they go from one place to another. Um, but Skaven being typical Skaven, it doesn't always work. Um, as the, you read some of the stories for just before Soul Wars was released and when they tried to invade Shaiish, it all went a bit wrong. Um, I was also going to say, like, because they borrow through things, so something just uh, just occurred to me, one thing we should say about Realm Gates, not all Realm Gates appear the same as each other. Oh, no, they're, no. They're all various, like, they could be a pool of water, it could be uh, you just walk into this region that's very foggy, or it could be a very, you know, you walk between an archway of magical realm stone. Yeah. They can be all manner of shapes and forms, uh, yeah. which leads us to, which similar to that is the world's gates of the deep yeah. kin. Yeah, so these are kind of like underwater realm gates. Um, of the deep kin, one of the new elven factions um, who have been hidden for a long time. Uh, one of uh, Teclas's, well, well, not one of, the, the big failure from Teclas as he tried to bring the elves back from um, Slaanesh's grasp. Um, these guys live underwater, completely in the deep underwater. So for them to travel through realms, they have to obviously use underwater realm gates. And these have been called the world's gates. Cool. Uh, and then there's... Um, realm yeah. routes. Yeah, go for it. What about, what about those? <laughs> um, realm routes. This is... I'm not too sure what these really are, but it's something that I randomly picked up from the Sylvaneth uh, battle tome. Where there's, I think there's a spell about realm routes and traveling through the realm routes so they can move across the board in the game. And so I'm kind of extrapolating an idea here that maybe there are routes of bigger trees and kind of life that goes between the realms, especially in like maybe the realm of life, where they'd be able to um, actually travel down routes of trees going from one realm to another in that way. So you can kind of expand on ideas that kind of you get those little hints of 
Cool. So I kind of like the idea that creatures like the Sylvaneth, kind of if you kind of think of Norse mythology, Yggdrasil and, and the the world tree and the the roots that connect the different world, the nine realms. Kind of, I'm taking that idea here. So the, there's actual roots that connect them in a way, kind of like yeah. the skating tunnels, but tree tree wise. The cool thing about these is that um, a lot of these methods, other than the Skaven one, are potentially open for travel by mm. characters in Age of Sigma Soulbound, because Soulbound is going to be, you, you're playing a group that is like um, of mixed mixed factions. Yes. So, so so long as you've got someone who is Sylvaneth with you, you, you possibly have this, yeah, exactly. That's really cool. Or, or if you've got someone that actually is like a deepkin, you could potentially use the world's gates because you know they'll cast a spell or do some minor enchantment. That means all members of this group, this adventuring cadre of Soulbound, will be able to breathe underwater. It's yeah. it's such a smorgasbord of things to do. It's brilliant, um, right? And then brilliant because there's not the world is now it's now well developed as a universe, but there's still so much more because it's so much bigger than the old world. Yeah, you can actually. We can ex- explore these ideas and actually do things like this because it's nothing set in stone, so to speak. What's the betting that um, uh, what's her name? Not Malekith. What's her name? Why can't I think of her name? Oh, yeah, no, Hag. Put the book here. Um, oh, but anyway, yeah, the daughters of Cain, right? The witch elves. Um, Valerian, but that's that's her son. Uh, but like, wouldn't it be Marathi? Marathi, wouldn't it be? Isn't it? I've got a suspicion. Like, I bet they can make gateways between realms by using like giant pools of blood. That seems very on on brand for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, surprising me at all. No, exactly. Uh, cool. Okay, I bet there's a, some other weird stuff that like the undead are doing because again, like death, death, like you know, is is an energy that connects everywhere. So I'm sure there's something with that. Um, with the way that um, Nagashi is kind of doing oh, yeah. the moment and the big black pyramid. There is actually, hang on, I'm thinking about it. Uh, what's it called? I'll get the book. Okay. There is the, so as, as a result of the quake, um, there is something that has appeared in Shaiish that I'm trying to remember the name of. Let me find it in one second. <laughs> okay. But it's kind of, there's a map, and it is kind of um, like a massive um, region, which is, it's called, uh, I can't find it on this thing. But yeah, no, there's um, kind of a big whirlpooly thing that has opened right. up. Oh, there you go. There's, there's something called the Greed Mouth, uh, this portal to the realm of beasts. And it's nice. just a whirlpool. Um, I'm looking in the Ossiarch Bone Reapers book at the moment. Okay, so there's also these things that you've put down in the notes called Malice Portals that lead to Azir, which is the yeah. realm of heaven. Yes, so this is Sigmar's realm. Um, yes. And it, these are kind of the realm gates to Azir. Um, and they are massively well protected by, obviously, Sigmarite magics and Sigmar himself. Um, and they can't be corrupted. Um, they are one of the few realm gates that chaos can't get their hands on. So, as you said, we said that realm gates are magical portals, and one of the problems that happened was that they can get corrupted by chaos. Chaos yeah. is magic, 
despite what Corn thinks. Um, so they can get corrupted quite easily by magic, and that's when you suddenly get kind of demon infestations when the the the, the chaos the gates suddenly start to change. But these ones, the malice portals to and from Azir, um, can't be touched by chaos because of the power and strength of the connection to Sigma and the realm of heavens. Cool. So they are kind of cool things. Uh, and then we've got we'll we'll talk about things that aren't to do with realm then. So there's some other ways of travelling, um, because again, Age of Sigmar is on a scale that is insane. Obviously, I'm sure there are, we've not maybe not seen or we have seen in some books, is the idea of certain cultures, certain races having access to gargantuan scale monsters and travelling yeah. on the backs of those. There's mostly an example somewhere of a society of people that live on the back of some monster, like it's a small town or even city that, that moves around on the back of this creature. Um, that's the, totally cool. I would totally just come up with that. If it's not in Age of Sigma already, just write it, because you know, some of these creatures are huge. Uh, yeah, so, God... But then related to that, things that actually are in the books, we've got something called Cogforts, which are in the Cities of Sigma, correct? Uh, they kind of hinted at in the Cities of Sigma, and there's been a lot of stuff on like the Warhammer community website about it. So... Um, yeah, so Cogforts are kind of what they sound like. They are steampunk fortifications, and they can walk around, they can be on wheels, they have legs. Again, so if you think about the Malign Portent stories, there were some stories on the Warhammer community website where um, Cogforts were, were trampsing through forests of the Sylvaneth, and... Um, kind of trying to get the, the the fuel and the oil and the woods they needed to run their diesel and steam powered ships and so um, we can extrapolate from this is you can go bigger they're not just forts you can get big mass moving cities or you can shrink them down you can have um things like steam tanks or kind of uh steam carriages and uh cog carriages in a way um so fortified carriages to to travel in yeah it seems they really what they're going with with the um what was the empire miniature range yeah in in age sigma is really doubling down on the idea of of cog like um you know contraptions and that's really interesting to think they're going down that route because i would have i used to would have assumed that was a very just pure dwarven thing but of course yeah. sigma includes Dwarves, as we used to remember them in, yeah. in Warhammer, Dispossessed. elves and humans. Whereas, like our our um our Kadaradon, Caradron, yeah, they're in airships uh, which run off etheric kind of magic. Mm. So they're less clockworky and a bit more kind of Tesla punk. Yeah, steep, like if it, it's Tesla punk, steampunk, running on ether that they have to go mine from the clouds. Those things, they're really, really cool. Um, I don't have a lot of them, honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's I, the Caradrons are steampunk pirate dwarves. That's all they really are. But they, they've done in such a cool way where they, they talk about, again, you've got the models where you've got three different sizes of ships but they talk about floating cities and things wow 
yeah um and they talk about some of the creatures that they fight up in there in in the skies so massive whales and sharks and things that do actually exist in the skies so you could you could quite easily take a role play and bring it up into the skies of the age of sigma world traveling with the caradrons as they they sit search out this aether gold and you you come across and you have to hunt some of these creatures with them therefore you get traveling up in you have to obviously travel up to to wherever the caradrons are and then travel through uh the skies and things so um some fun on some sky ships cool Right. I think that covers as much of Age of Sigma as we can cover at this point, because yep. I think more will be detailed in the Age of Sigma roleplay game, because that game is an opportunity which they will obviously flesh out more about the mundane elements of the mm. setting. But we've covered a lot of big things, interesting things, which makes it unique compared to Warhammer Fantasy. Yep. So let's talk about 40k, because this is going to take... We're going to rattle through this, but I think this is one we know fairly well we know this right. one Ooh, this could go on for hours this could go on for hours okay so let's be let's be upfront and blunt with 40k okay there's tons yep. of vehicles in it there are tanks and land vehicles galore for the imperium at least let's talk about the imperium a lot more because that's mainly what you're going to be playing in the 40k rpg so you've got stc standard template construct tanks and vehicles which form the main body of the adeptus astartes and the astra militarum and also yep. the of uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus. But, as we see in reading things like the Eisenhorn Trilogy and other things, there are vehicles which are not standard template construct which are still valid and allowed. I think basically because they're not too advanced, they don't involve AI uh, and are local to a particular world. They, uh, they fit with the technology of the world that they're on. So yeah. They and are looked over. They're mostly just stylistically an adaption mm-hmm. of a standard template construct in some way. Yeah. Uh, uh, or, or, or obviously the Adeptus Mechanicus has gone, okay, yeah, that's ours. Thank you, done. It's It's been blessed and sanctioned. Yeah. So there's a lot of different vehicles that range from vehicles that run on petroleum, vehicles that run on that hover, vehicles, so there's things like jet bikes. They're not very common in the, in the 40K setting. They were more common in the Horus Heresy and the Dark Age of Technology. Uh, you have got aircraft. Again, lots of things that operate like standard aircraft of our day and age to things that are a bit more sci-fi in that they use other propulsion systems. And again, these are very important because all these things are about how is your cadre of of characters going to get from point A to B? And again, there are things to consider like the size of the vehicle. Is it a stealth vehicle? How fast it's moving? Can it move over the oceans? Uh, Can it fit into a orbital lander and be taken with you to somewhere else? Classically, of course, Eisenhorn Trilogy, his gun cutter, was uh, an orbital lander that could then get carried away by a starship to elsewhere. So there's tons and tons of different vehicles. You should feel like you've got a bit of freedom to both have iconic vehicles of the 40k universe while also having things that are a little bit more unique that your players will enjoy. So, for example, in the scenario we're running at Dragon Meat, we have a glaive wing, which I've just invented, because I thought, gun cutter, we want something kind of equivalent. I'm imagining it's got a nice arc of a, of a wing kind of shape. So uh, I might do some sketches on how it operates. Um, anyway, so, so there's a lot of things there um, with 
with basic standard technology. Obviously, if you're talking about other alien races, we'd get weirder things like Falcon Grav tanks, again, skimmer technology of the Eldar. Uh, we have the skimmer technology of the Tau. The Tau uh, is a really fun one you could go into because obviously they, they are completely warp neutral. So Yes. Uh, and then, of course, they've got battle suits as well, uh, which mm. are another thing of course in the 40k universe another transport which is even a story or character in its own right are titans you know your cadre mm. could be the bridge crew of a titan which is insane they're all you know interlinked by the uh mind impulse unit uh to to it and share memories it's very kind of like pacific rim kind of style gameplay you could yeah. have there so that's all cool um is there much much more obviously if you've played or Travel is is a game in its own right. If you look at Gorka Morka, you could use that as the springboard to an entire campaign sandbox where the vehicle is a character in its own right because yeah, you are modulating it together. It's got an annoying squeak. It's got bullet holes that make it look cool. It's been painted with Go Faster stripes. It's got guns galore. Yeah, it was like with with the idea of the orc, orc stuff, you can kind of you can build your own, literally just build your own vehicle. It's like that's what they do. They go, well, I've got a wheel and I've got an engine. Stick them together. There's a vehicle. Um, so you can have a lot of fun with the orcs if you want to do something like Gorkamorka or if you go do the Speed Freak stuff of Armageddon, War on Armageddon. You could even go to some desolate planets and kind of, if you want to do like the darker side, well, not the dark side, the less kind of imperial imperial side of the empire. Empire? Wrong, wrong system. Here. Imperium. Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> You can go to some of the the desert worlds and have um, kind of rust punk yes. vehicles. Um, and again, they, they would be your standard template constructs, but because the world is so dry and arid, you'd have to kind of start bolting bits on as things rust and fall off and things. So you can start going down that route with it. Yeah. So, um, the the 40k setting is getting quite interesting with vehicles to the Imperium because you've got the skimmer technology of the uh, Adeptus, uh, sorry, not the Adeptus, the, uh, uh, Adeptus, Mecha the Adeptus Mechanicus with their cool yeah. looking kind of uh, ray punk kind of vibe to them. Yes. Uh, they're very, that? yeah, they're very, um, I would say, 70s. Ray punk, no, ray punk's like 50s. Um, so. They've got a very 50s kind of look to them. Mm. Uh, then the other thing to consider with this, again, with all this different travel, we've been saying, like, the within 40k saying plots could take place on a lot of these vehicles within the confines of it. Say you're doing uh, Murder on the Orient Express, you could literally just do that in the 40k setting on some maglev train going yep. to wherever, transporting who knows what on whatever world. Uh or it could be on a very big kind of, you know, whatever the 40k version is of a of an Airbus uh, going from one continent to another on whatever backwater world. Or you could do the same thing on a on a on a boat. Yeah, whatever the equivalent of a of a ocean going liner is. And, and then the other thing we've not sp spoken about is that within the 40k universe, you could go really interesting with uh, your 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 fauna that you could travel on. So again. You could get some inspiration from other forms of 
sci-fi novels like The Book of the New Sun uh, by Gene Wolfe. That could inspire you to how in 40k there's going to be various types of creatures they ride around on, which have different types of many legs. Uh, yep. You know, or, um, or you know, like so you could be riding around on dinosaurs, for example, uh, quite happily on some world, uh, which the Eldar do quite regularly, uh, especially yep. the Exodites. Um, there are, there right. are. There's an entire space marine chapter based on salamanders. The salamander chapter, their world has giant lizards on it, and so it is. It is canon. It is. It is things that can actually be explored quite easily without going too far off and being weird. But it's the 40k universe. It is weird. So we've done kind of terrestrial travel a lot. Obviously, yep. 40k main main element of travel is space. Uh, ships are huge. Ships in space. They're huge. They are very, very vast, miles long, powered by massive fusion reactors. They are slow, though. They incredibly. So, so fast and light technology does not exist for the Imperium. It doesn't exist for the Eldar. I think it possibly does exist for the Necrons because they don't travel through the warp. Yeah, they are they, very they much your Gual or whatever they are from the uh... gold. Gold, yeah, um, yeah, but they definitely do space travel by fast and light, kind of. I guess mm. some form of of actual physical space folding, rather than popping into a different dimension that is psychoactive. Yeah, so a bit, a bit, um, the tower almost the same kind of way. Uh, they, no, they're not. They they, they do skim the, the they skim the top of the warp. Yeah, they, they kind of drop in... into it briefly. Yeah, they kind of half go into it in a way. So they can't fully go into it because they don't they're they're warp neutral. They don't have that kind of connection to it, but they can they're kind of they're navigators. <laughs> um so obviously there's uh <clears throat> there's no things like wormholes or warp is a psychoreactive realm where time and space act differently. Uh, which allow great distances to be travelled in a fraction of time, but time could flow weirdly. So you could feasibly arrive somewhere before you left, yep. or you could arrive well after you left. And uh, there are very, very clear indications that that does happen. Yeah. So. And this is a plot point, because the, there's a, a part of the Ordo, of the in Inquisitional Orders, there's an Ordo which deals with time anomalies due to this type of thing. Uh, also, space can operate differently. So you try to go somewhere and you arrive at the point, which is why, obviously, uh, the space travel of the Imperium is along stable, stable routes through the warp. There are certain routes which are, which yeah. guarantee you get to where you want to be. So these routes obviously means piracy occurs at the end points of these routes, and these routes are particular trade routes and convoy routes. Uh, so that obviously allows plot development, plot points to deal with different antagonists. But we need to talk about the warp itself. Oh God! Yeah. Now the warp. There's so much we can say about that, especially maledictum and the change in how that's actually making navigation possible throughout the uh, the 40k universe. But yeah, the warp. Ooh, the warp. Eep. So how do we do it? So um, basically, a a we'll deal with just ships of the Imperium because again, this is what the main setting is. They generate 
a high energy kind of puncture through real space into warp space. And as they do so, they have to gener- the ship also has to generate something called Geller Field, which is essentially a way of keeping demons out. Uh, Just for people who um, from who aren't kind of aware of what the warp is, the warp is a it's an alternate dimension which is filled with chaos. It is kind yeah. of the lifeblood and the, the the force that where all the chaos gods exist exist, and it's, it's where demons exist, and when there's a puncture in the warp between our reality and warp reality. That's when demons and chaos can actually leak out into the real world. And so this is why it's really dangerous to travel through it. And so this is why we have the Geller field, because if you're going to go into this realm of near pure chaos and horrible, nasty stuff, you don't want that stuff getting on your ship. No. And obviously ships will be designed also and reinforced with other things, icons and and runes inscribed on the hull to further protect them from demons. Yep. Now, navigation through the warp is more like sailing. So you are finding streams of energy to move along. And that is what navigators, which are a form of mutant psycho, they have a third eye that can see into the warp. And there are great houses of these psychers. So they're, you know, they're long, long-running families that date back all the way back to the Dark Age of the uh, technology. And so they help navigate the ship through this, these streams of energy. Uh, again, this is all kind of actually based off certain sci-fi novels, I believe, uh, inspired by the idea of the inky dark sea as well as it's yeah. described by, uh, by Homer in the Odyssey. Um, and then the way the navigators do the navigation as well is that they, they obviously look for the Astronomicon, which is this lighthouse, as it were, of psychic energy, which originates on Terra uh, and is fueled by himself. thousands and thousands of psychers who have been soul-bound to the Emperor to project this beacon. And I think they consume about 10,000 psychers a day in doing something, this. Something crazy like that, yeah. So and that and and as you said, with the when the Great Rift opened up, the astronomers lost this, and the Astronomicon went dark for a time. So it's interesting how this is developing in current 40k with Psychic Awakening. So there's a lot of interesting elements of this. Of course, sorry. Yeah, so I was going to say with the loss of the the Astronomicon especially on the, the far side of the galaxy, you're seeing a lot of rise of things like the Sisters of Silence. Yes. Um, and travel is now, you can't travel vast distances anymore because it's too dangerous because you don't have the guiding light on one side of the galaxy. So it's, it's, it's vastly changed everything. I think a good, a, good, um, a good touch point as well to pick another sci-fi IP out there, just to kind of get a feel for yeah. what traveling the warp is like. Um, Babylon 5 uh, is good because you've got this other hyperspace realm. It's very dark and inky kind of space. Mm. And again, there are stable routes to follow. But if you go off the, 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 the navigation markers, you can be lost in this space and never escape because you don't know yeah. how to get to the exit points. And I think that's a really, you know, that's an, you know, that's a good touch point. To, yeah, the other, the to other good touch point there is, is um, Event Horizon. Oh yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, we know yeah. what happened, and that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so we, things we, go wrong. We we've definitely spoken about that one on uh, Dark Space Radio before, uh, right? Now, <laughs> our other way of traveling through space is the Webway, which, again, as we mentioned, relating to Skaven in Age of Sigmar and so forth, is a network of stable warp corridors. That have that are warp neutral, so they the, the they're kind of like having a stable Galafield network, as it yeah. were, all the way through the warp that leads from one world to another or from one point in space to another. They can be as large as a tunnel entry or as yeah. big that allows entire ships or planets to enter. They are it is a crazy little network. Uh, you can hide entire planets you, in, within it. You like. Kamara is like a planet hidden inside it or something Kamara weird. Like that. Is, it is a planet but it exists in different parts of the webway. So they've really um in the new versions of 40k, they've really expanded on what Kamara is. So it's not just yeah. a planet it's a planet that exists in different parts of the webway. So it, it constantly shifts and changes because depending on how the webway is aligned at that point, um, depends on how Kamara is aligned as well. So yeah, we could, we could talk about Kamara for hours. Um, as you know, I'm doing the my shadows of Kamara. Yeah, at the moment, so I've got loads of information on it. But that, now the Imperium, like... I was going to say, the Imperium did try to make its own webway and massively screwed up. We're not getting into the details <laughs> of that, but it's a plot point. Uh, the other interesting uh, point is that with the webway is that with the Great Rift, uh, the webway in areas have be, has been like you know shattered and sheared in half yeah uh which leads to some interesting thing in the dark eldar book in the Trakari book about edemon invasions into their part of the webway i'm sure the eldar have had the same on their craft worlds obviously it's a good point eldar have giant craft worlds that they move around on they're like just very very huge moon-sized spaceships that move around and as we said, other races have other ways of doing some travel. So we said Necrons operate on a slightly different thing. We'll mostly get into that on another episode to talk about yeah. Necron technology because it is kind of weird. Uh, we've spoken about Dark Elder and Elder. We've done the Imperium. Orcs can do web uh, do warp travel. They're very haphazard with it with their space hulks and and just going where the warp takes them. But that's mostly directed by their gestalt psychic consciousness. Yeah, they they could they as a race they just kind of have psychic connection and ability to just say, well, I want to go here, so I'm going to go there. And if the entire if there's a wag, especially if there's a wag going on, that psychic power of just that many orcs together can actually, in a way, their will makes things happen. Yeah, and um, um, the other thing is there's the way that Tyrion and Stuart will get into is completely different again. Uh, it's a bit strange, and it's related to the Astronomicon, why they're heading into the galaxy anyway. Um, right, okay, so we we said a lot about ways of travelling. We've said some of the dangers, like demons. Uh, there's also the Galapox, which is this disease that's yep. created in the proximity of the Gala field. Uh, we've spoken about time, time and space dislocations. Warp yep. storms, of course, can cut off entire regions of space or throw ships off into other areas, other times. Uh, spaceships, of course, are ancient, dangerous things. So even the ship you're traveling on has dangers like, you know, a steam pipe burst or 
coolant from the reactor could leak and flow and, you know, turn people into yeah. mush. There's also the fact that these spaceships, they have machine spirits in them. Oh, yeah, so the ship is a character in its own right. Yeah, so the older the ship is, probably the more cranky it, the actual ship is it itself. Or if there's a, a, a small leak within the Geller field that you can't actually detect, maybe the ship is slowly going mad and becoming possessed over time. So the ship does actually itself become, as you say, a character. Um, so machines are not AIs, but they are rudimentary, rudimentary kind of consciousnesses. And that's true of a lot of vehicles with standard template constructs, especially like Land Raiders. They have also a machine spirit. Um, they're very animalistic. Uh, let's also say about spaceships. Um, they also will have a crew, and those crew are not all friendly people, even if you are members of the bridge crew of a rogue trader. You know, a ship has a good complement of slaves, typically, to do things like, you know, loading goods and loading missiles into tubes and stuff like that. So again, if you're caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, you might just get beaten up. Yeah. Uh, let's also think there's most probably, I've put down space megafauna, like Turinus kind of fit that, but there's mostly yeah. other megafauna out there, have fun um, there are a lot of species that are not spoken of really, so there's the Demiurg, which is kind of we know exists but not really much about them, there's the the, the lost race of the squats um, there's so the Frud hmm? the Frud who have yeah. their seals? They're kind of like Skaven in space, I believe. Well, not quite Skaven in space, but they've got similar kind of thematic elements. Yeah. So there's there's so many different kind of things out there. It, it's an entire galaxy that you've you've got to play with. So yes, most of it is based around the Imperium and how that works, and your Inquisitors and your Space Marines and your Rogue Traders. But you can go out if you if you random if if you're a Rogue Trader and you uh exploratory mission you find a new planet yep is that planet what's on it is it a is it a desert planet is it a forest planet is it a water world is it a lost colony yeah uh, and that's also important like traveling around as a road trader does give you a lot of um you know does give you a lot of uh opportunity with the your your um your warrant to trade to go anywhere and do anything in the name of the emperor of the uh, god emperor of mankind. So your ship is going to be carrying a complement of imperial guardsmen, possibly yep. a squad of space marines if you've got some friendly, familial, like long-lasting ties to a space marine chapter. They might go. You get a complement of space marines to go with you as like your bodyguard, and it's like, yeah. what? That's great. Um, so that's a great way of mixing up cadres quite e- characters into cadres quite easily. Um, reasons for traveling, though. So we said road traders travel. Uh, yeah. They can they can literally travel and trade. They can they can orchestrate war. They can literally you know go go to war with an entire world or or an entire. Um, Local, I say local, but they could find a, a, a an entire like subsector of planets that's not been yeah. brought into the Imperium, and just go. We're going to war with you. We're on a crusade. I I now have called it, and I'm going to call in the rest of the fleet on you. Like that's insane. You can literally do that as a tier two character. <laughs> um, that's mental. What, what you need to kind of with the, the idea of the rogue trader is you kind of. A lot of people think of them as individual people who own a single ship and 
can do stuff. No, there are massive families out there. They are entire mega corp, kind of like mega corporations in a way where yes. they are. It's not just one person with one ship. It'll be the lead family will own one ship and it'll be a massive, massive ship. But they'll, with that, they'll have an absolute fleet of um, fighters, uh, battleships and transport ships. Yeah, um, they can take with them. So when we talk about they can go to war, it's not one person. It's this massive family of rogue traders and business that can do it. So you can bring that idea into it. Are you part of, are you the actual rogue trader family or are you one of the ships that is working for this family? Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Um, And then on that topic, you know, you are playing, say, just guardsmen. Why are you going to this world? Maybe you're traveling to the front line. Maybe you're traveling back from the front line and get involved in some story along the way. Um, You know, you're on a huge transport ship. So, again, you can tell stories that are uh, much more akin to the tales you would possibly hear about, you know, during the world wars, but within the context of the 40K universe. Um, again, they might come across spies or or some sort mm. of conspiracies, uh, internal politics between commanders, things like that, or just come across things they really aren't ready for at <laughs> all. Like, oh yeah, we 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 were told to patrol this planet and and scout this area. We found some ancient ruins and some really ancient race has woken up and we've just pissed it off. Um, that's that's Garzman for you. Uh, there's some new technology here let's touch it oh it's got green glowing green eyes oh i'm dead yeah uh so war is one thing um also traveling if you're part of the inquisition to track down heretics uh dissidents uh various enemies of the imperium so that's tracking cultists heretics xenos threat threats across worlds and sectors yeah these pursuits can take decades even depending on your favourite thing at the moment, Eisenhorn. Some of yeah. this goes on not just decades but centuries. So, it's inquisitions can inquisitors can live for hundreds of years. So, yeah, uh, obviously part of travel is trade of food, arms to the front lines of these armies. We've already said about piracy. There's Eldar corsairs. There's Dark Eldar who do slave raids. Uh, yeah. So, booters I've seen here. They're they're something I've not seen for a long time and would be called cool to to bring in i think you've dropped out on my side yeah i dropped out mine Where, what did you say last uh i was talking about orc freebooters did you hear that i didn't hear that so yeah let's go so there's so there's also orc freebooters what are they like uh they're they're i've always whenever i think of the orc freebooters i remember the real model uh of the orc with the pirate hat and i just imagine orc pirates in space just trying to be rogue traders yeah so the, the the freebooters are kind of a part of the orc species that do actually deal with humanity and they just want to go out and buy and sell things in a very orcish kind of way they're seen as a bit weird by the general orc race as they don't want to kill things and punch things and fight things um so they're kind blood of a bit blood of commandos are similar as well because i mean yeah again, they're going to be quite happy to go oh you know, uh, an imperial trader goes, see this bad boy here? Slaps it on the roof, can hold 10 of your guys. And the orcs are like, cool, they've just bought a, they've just bought a rhino. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's that kind of idea. And it, 
it's, it's they're kind of an in-between thing. They're all they, to me. They are just comedy to me, but they're also brilliant because you can have a lot of fun. And he's like, well, I don't want to be human. I don't want to be Eldar. Well, let's put an orc into it. Yeah, he, he he's trying to be be good, but occasionally his orcish nature might come out, or he just tries to start selling um, all the equipment that your group has because he's trying to do what a freebooter does. So something I was thinking with Corsairs and Elder Corsairs and also Rogue Traders uh, with travel is that maybe the thing you're doing with traveling is not to commit doing all the hard work at the front lines, but you're actually managing your empire and dealing with yeah. the internal politics of it all as well. So there's yeah. that consideration. Yeah, you know, courtly intrigue in space is a huge thing. Uh, so that's another reason to travel. Again, weddings, marriages, deaths to deal with. Uh, colonization is a huge thing. Yeah. Like you could play Adeptus Mechanicus and literally the story is about you find this world, you've got to colonize it. How do you do this? So you can really zoom in and out of the story um, yeah. with that. Uh, the other thing with <laughs> the Imperium is, and this is where we get into the real, like where 40k has elements if you watch like Brazil or, or um, other of a dystopian mm. sci fi paperwork paperwork uh, yes like you've got ships carrying physical printed copy paper or data slates or whatever other form of hard copy that they're, they're taking and taking it back to worlds for processing so it can be sent back to the to terror because there is no ftl communication unless you're dealing with with um astropaths yeah and, and risky yeah, so an astropath is not going to send across the warp to Terra a message that every day about, you know, rations and and yeah. munitions counts and deaths and births and all that kind of stuff. That's all done the slow, stale, stale way. So, you know, they, I'm sure there's bureaucracy. It's a massive bureaucracy that the Imperium is that needs needs to work but can't work in the way that it wants to work. So you've got to have these lines of communication that are on ships. Yep, much like it used to be. Uh, the other thing is, uh, the, another re important reason to travel for the Imperium is to get the tithe of psychers. So, of course, as we said, the, uh, the Astronomicon runs off psychers. These psychers are taken as a tithe from planets. Psychers are either going to be uh, are discovered and incarcerated and ready to take it, be taken away by the black ships by, of the Imperium. So, and this whole thing has broken down with the Great Rift. So again, there's not enough psychers even now available to be taken back on a daily basis to be soul-bound and used by the Astronomicon. So, there's, also, there's more psychers as well. It's just they can't actually transport them and they, they can't find them. Yeah. So there's a whole with this whole psychic, psychic awakening thing that's going on. Vast, vast cities are all suddenly waking up to find themselves as psychers, and it's all it's all very slightly hinted at within the new books that are coming out. But it's appearing that there is a not just the Eldar who are having issues, but the Imperium is kind of starting to discover more and more psychic abilities. Um, yeah, it's almost like the Great Rifters has initiated the next stage of evolution for humanity yeah. um could be a lot and, of soul searching for the imperium in this 
Uh, other things of travel, uh, marines, space ring chapters. Um, nice. Some obviously have homeworlds. Others have giant um, digital fortresses that move through space, whether they're big spaceships or they're like the um, they're like asteroids, like the rock that the Dark Angels have. Dark Angels, you've got the Black Templars who are yeah. on a constant crusade in their own ships. Uh, so again, you can think about that within the context of if you're playing a space marine game, that you can think about the tra- how they travel and how that in its own right is quite unique. Um, ooh, I think we've covered a lot here. There's an absolute yeah, lot. We've, we've gone on for quite some time, and we've, we, I think we've yeah. only just really scratched the surface of a lot of this. Yeah, I mean these these are t- points uh, and that we will mostly cover again with respect to different factions as we delve yeah. into them, uh, or we, we talk about particular it. worlds uh, or events like you know the certain crusades or so forth. Or how do you get through the Great Rift to the Gilead Sector? Mm. Kind of stuff like that. But the point is that travel in its own right is a story. It's not just something you slot in between locations. Yeah, it's something you can use to really kind of flesh out and allow you to explore the worlds and the universes that you're actually going to do. It's not just you've been hired by this group to go and find this person on this world. It's like, well, how do you get to this place? What routes do you take? What what do you meet along the way? And things. It's it really is something that I think is left out of a lot of stuff, but adds so much more into your games when you actually kind of look into it it can be it's the flesh and bones it's it's with the roots of the stories and it's where the the connections between also the characters can come and how the character dynamics of the group can kind of work yeah um, so it's 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 a massively important thing that i think does get missed out quite a lot cool okay um on that point <clears throat> we will finish there we've covered a lot so um Important information. Uh, by the time this goes out, which will be, if I look at what episodes we've put out recently, so this will go out not on the Friday of before Dragon Meat. It'll go out on the Friday after. I think that's the idea. So when you listen to this, Dragon Meat will have been and gone. So uh, the point is, stay tuned for um, our Dragon Meat content. Uh, to yep. find out how it went, what things we did there, what we've run, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what cool things we may have bought and picked up to, to talk about. Yep. Uh, and that'll be on the main show. Uh, there'll also be some information. Uh, I'm sure we'll sit in on the uh, What's Up with Cubicle 7. Uh, oh, and, go to that. Yeah, we'll record that. Um, so that's all stuff to that you can listen to on, on Dark Days Radio. That'll be uh, there. Uh, other things coming up. Oh, by the time this will go out, possibly Michael be at Pat's Unplugged. So uh, we'll, we'll have some information from there on the main show. So that's all stuff. Unfortunately, that'll be been and gone by the time this episode goes <laughs> out. So there's not much really more to say on that front. I don't think there's anything more event wise to talk about until we've got next things year. locked in next year and what local things we'll be doing. Uh, so really, all we can really say is where can they find us? So they can, anyone that has any topic ideas for the show, they can email us at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. They can get in contact with us on Twitter at darkerdaysradio, on Facebook at darkerdaysradio. They can find us on Instagram where there'll be pictures of miniatures and other things, and that is at darkerdaysradio. 
they can find us on our Discord community and talk about stuff there. They can also come over to the blog and find written reviews and painting guides for things that really don't fit an audio format. And battle reports, of course, such as yep. battles in Kamora. I think that is everything. Oh, yeah, I think that's everything. That's everything that I can think of, yep. So, with that o- over and done with, thank you again, David, for going through this minefield of information we've tried to summarise very quickly. Yep, that's all uh, right. And we will come up with a cool new topic for next time, which we're gonna, I think we'll keep some more of these broad topics to begin with. And yeah. then we'll start narrowing down where an episode is maybe focused on just one or two game lines. Um, yeah. Because I think we'll exhaust Age of Sigma quite quickly at this stage until the RPG finally makes its splash. And I'm sure we'll do an entire episode devoted to Soulbound oh, when it's out. I so am... you're excited for it. I'm excited. I'm very excited for this. So, so excited. Yeah. So uh, that's everything done. So again, thank you, David, for that. It's been fun. And thank you for listening, guys. And we'll see you soon. See you next time.